Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, and I'm Dave. And I'm Chris. And uh, I do that for Chris, and I do that uh, for the people out there who fear change. Because yeah. I would really much rather be someplace, I'd rather be playing songs. Hey now, what's happening? Well, we're not, Good morning. <laughs> we're not changing anything because this has just become a regular topic of discussing whether we should change the intro. I'm not, it's not a topic. I'm just letting it known that I, I acquiesce because Chris has uh, OCD and, uh, and, and fans need it to be the same. I, mean, don't, okay. I don't need this to be a topic. Okay, let me ask you something, okay? You love The Wire. And they change every intro once a year. But didn't you kind of grow to love each intro? Listen. Right? You but don't compare. You cannot. It. It's, it's comparing fucking apples and peanuts. Why? Because The Wire is an hour-long scripted television show on HBO. And the intro that you're talking about is an actual edited intro that they play at the beginning of every show with a theme song. We're doing a talk show. We have a theme song, though, I'm saying. I'm not asking to take away the theme song, which I happen to actually play oh, and write. Oh, I'm asking I don't know if the Dopey Nation knows that, that that thing... It was a total knockoff of The, role of, uh, the Doors. It's a lot like the doors. <laughs> I heard it. I was like, "Oh, the doors!" And you're like, "No, it's me." Listen, you love it. You want? Oh, why don't we change it? I love it. <laughs> no, I, I just, I think steadiness is good. I think it's better than Hey Bulldog. No, Hey Bulldog was no, sweet. Hey People Bulldog, loved it. I heard it, and it would make me anxious. It felt like it was supposed to be slapstick comedy. After that, did I? I, I think this I, is cool, mellow, like shooting dope music in the beginning. You know, I've never played that song on Dopey, the real song. Oh, really? Yeah, maybe I'll play it today. All right. So what's up with you? Nothing. We're here in Southampton in the pool house. In the pool house. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited because Dave didn't want to sit on the couch. I think it's because I'm on the bed and there's a table in between us and I have a good foot and a half on him. I'm very I'm, comfortable. I told you. I got a little armrest. I feel good. I told you it's comfortable, but I'm a foot and a half taller than you. I feel like this is going to have some weird power dynamics. I, I only I only support and embrace whatever power you, you wish to take from your time because I'm happy with my with my backrest. That's good. Yeah. The only What I fear is not the power dynamic as much as Chris when he starts lying down. <laughs> when Chris starts lying down on the bed. That's what I fear. Um, but things are good. Uh, busy with school, with life, with the girlfriend. Listen, I, I want to ask a, a simple question. Chris is, uh, if you guys don't know, he is a Psy uh, D candidate. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Uh, studying in Boston at a... Less than reputable school and uh, very expensive, not that great school. Um, <laughs> Don't say that. People listen from well, that school. Yeah, sorry, it's guys. It's a great school. <laughs> it's not Harvard. It's a great school. Um, it's, it's, it's not even uh, Georgetown. Um, but um, what was I going to say? But he's also in this very serious relationship. Why is it so serious? Well, I'm going to tell you about about a year ago, Chris was involved with this woman that we they called. They all know this. I'm just catching people right. up who don't know it. Right. Chris was involved with this woman named Helga. Helga destroyed Chris, and it put out some of the best dopey episodes we ever had. Frankly, <laughs> Chris was shook. He was reaching out to the dopey audience for women. It was a great time for dopey. <laughs> he was constantly calling me. He was asking me advice. He needed help. I was what like, "What was your advice?" Always give her up. Yeah. Give you up. said it much nicer than that. What did I say? You used some explicatives. Explicatives? <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? I don't want to repeat it. Please. I don't say words like that. What did I say? 
I don't know. I think you called her the C word and you said you hated her and all this stuff. No, I hated hearing about her from you. I don't even know her. How could I hate her? No, you said you hated her. I, it meant the translation. I showed you a picture of her and you said, I hate her. I remember. But it's not like I hate what she did to you because I, I'm, like the difference between you and I is I, I have feelings. Yeah. I care. I have feelings. No, and it was super, I was just talking to someone about this the other day. The experience with that woman was very enlightening because... My response, right, to the stimulus to her, my emotional response was so out of proportion to what was actually going on. To like speak, speak English here, buddy. I'm saying my reaction was so crazy and I cared so much that I was like, I need to look at this, you know, and I did. I talked about it in therapy and shit like that. And I was like, what was going on? Because that hasn't been, you know, my MO with women in the past. And for some reason, I went crazy. This is a great topic. It was a black hole. We covered this topic. Yeah. And I'm not saying we shouldn't cover it now. But the thing about it is unrequited love is a horrible thing. Yeah. And, and, and you find yourself questioning who you are, why you are, what you are. It wasn't her. It was a situation. Yeah. You know? And, and in that situation, it's horrible. You know? It's, it's what you always say about romance and finance. But let me get back to what I'm talking about. Okay. What I'm talking about is – so then we had a good – I don't know. Three three months, peak times and dopey. Chris was struggling. He needed me. I was of use to him. It was a good time for me to be alive. And um and the show was popping. Chris was didn't care about driving in whenever. He didn't care about anything. And then one night we're at my dad's house and he texts Helga's roommate. Because Helga supposedly, or Annie, Helga's roommate, wanted to get a job at Chris's sister's place, which was a total lie. The whole thing is total fabrication of reality. Anyway, the point to make no, a long... she did. She, and then, and then she, 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 then she... She legitimately she did. She somehow worked in salsa... Day. So why does she work as an Uber driver instead of fucking at Arden's place? She didn't get hired by Arden's Why not? Place. She was... They wanted the position they were filling, like, is like... Basically, people, there's a ton of turnover there, and she's taking less than a year off from med school. So she wanted to... She wanted to make sure she didn't drop out. She couldn't yeah, give Yeah, well, year. they wanted to make sure the person didn't drop out. And, they, and, and they also, I'm sure there was... And they wanted to hire somebody mm-hmm. whose the career path was administrative assistant. Not somebody who's like, oh, I'll do it for eight months. Oh, she wants, She was trying to get an administrative assistant job at your sister's place? Yeah, she just wanted sounds, to... It sounds like a real And then setup. it was like she could have done some clinical stuff too, but it was been primarily doing like... That sounds very strange to me. Sounds like a setup. Uh, what, except, do you, what do you mean? I would just say what you're saying. I don't understand what you... Well, I, I always assumed that because Annie's a doctor, yeah. that she was trying to get a job that made sense for her field at, at Arden's place. No, she wanted that, and then I told her like this was what was available, and then she was like, oh, I would do that too. My, my point is, it sounds She to needs me, to pay the bills. That's why she's driving Uber or Lyft. But you said she can't pay the bills doing it because she doesn't drive No, it, it sucks. This whole story is like, it's just... So, what it's are just, you saying, though? This is, what are you saying? What I'm saying is that Chris wound up dating... <laughs> Sorry, that was an accident. <laughs> Chris wound up dating Annie's, or Helga's roommate, and, and then like three weeks later... She moves into Chris's house. So now Chris lives with the woman with a dog, with this ju- uh, 50 pound white long haired service dog. It's a Samoya. It, I think it's called Samoa. Some, some, no, it's a, there's a Y in there. Samoya. 
It's a. Uh, thinking in, of lions. Yeah, it's an. I'm thinking of the Girl Scout cookie. It's an Inuit dog. Yeah. And it's a sled uh, dog. And listen, Mazel Tov, Chris. If you're if it makes you happy, like yeah. Because your happiness is obviously more important. Does it make me happy? Do you think? I don't know. You don't think so? I I all I don't know because I remember like I don't I, listen. I, if you say it makes you happy, then I say mm-hmm. Mazel Tov. I really do. That's how I. That's how I feel about it. Um. Uh. But I think Dopey has definitely suffered. I think our relationship is in the, in the toilet bowl, and I think that um. It's all going to be okay though. Well, because you just want me chomping at the bit to jump in my car and drive five hours yeah. every week. To it serves you. my it <laughs> serves my nefarious purposes. Not to mention more than my nefarious purposes. Um, what it really serves. Well, are you happy? I'm so happy. And things are going great with this woman, Annie Dopey Nation. And she's going to come on. She's going to tell the story of the time she smoked weed and ended up in Bellevue. Did you give her your old vape? I gave her my old vape. So did the, two, did the two of you sit around vaping together? She doesn't use it as much as I do. Do you think... What do you think... I was thinking about this when I was driving up because I thought this was a funny thought. Yeah. Like I was... You know, two, a couple where both people vape, right? Hmm. It just seems so fucking weird to me. Like, imagine, like, you're, like there's a married couple, right? Yeah. And they're, like, making breakfast, and they each reach for the vape. Like, Why is that weird? It's just, and then I thought about, like... That's literally what we do. It's just... But I think that's weird, number yeah. one. But then number two, it's like, is smoking nastier? Like, if I mean, obviously the smoke... I think it's dorky. I think it's really dorky, but, like, what's the difference between somebody smoking cigarettes and well, going not, outside and huddling together? I'm not saying I have an answer. I'm, I yeah. want to explore this. Yeah. Like, a couple that smokes together, I mean, it's fucking disgusting. All I can think of is Patty and Selma on The Simpsons. You know, the sisters. Yeah, well, I don't know. If they're attractive and stuff, I feel like it can be, like, kind of sexy. In a minute. In a moment. But not when the ashtray is full of a thousand cigarettes in no. the house. And if you're smoking inside, that's different. If you go outside and smoke. I just, with the vaping thing, like, I vape constantly. And, like, I totally own. It's, like, the dorkiest thing ever. It's not that it's I dorky. I feel like a loser sucking at that thing. And it's a total mm. oral fixation. I just love sucking on that thing. Right. Yeah. It's amazing that I didn't turn to vaping. Yeah. Does that surprise you? You on paper towels. I'm surprised. It was too much work for you. You're too lazy. Because the vape is like you have to take care of it and add juice. And It's not lazy. <laughs> it's actual inability to take care of it. Yeah, I literally, Dopey Nation, I, we went and bought Dave a nice $100 vape. How long We did you bought it. Well, you bought it, yeah. but I showed you which one to get and which juice to get. And how long did you use it? I think maybe that afternoon. <laughs> yeah, that was it's it. just so much work. You know, it's a hundred bucks. You probably spent one hundred fifty bucks. You got juice and coils. Okay, and but there's shit. there's a lot of different factors here. Okay, yeah. number one. Okay, yeah. at the time I was still smoking. Yeah, and like you can, I never enjoyed vaping as much as smoking. Like I just, I enjoy it more. And then let me, let me, I have a cigarette every once in a while. And let me, let me, let me, let me continue this thought. Yeah. The other thing is that with vaping. Because I have, I do chew on toilet yeah. paper towels. I yeah. have a horrible oral fixation. Yeah. But like, I vape so much that that taste, it disgusts me. The fucking, whatever that nicotine in there, it gives me a headache. If I you need less, you keep trying to get more. I feel the popcorn lung forming immediately. <laughs> I was thinking about that whole like clickbait idea. Yeah. What if we tried to set up um, dopey clickbait? And we just put it out there. Well, you did that with the Neuron post. <laughs> People got angry. 
No, no, no. But that was somebody else's clickbait. I mean, we what if we make our own clickbait? Yeah. Okay, what Dave's referring to, because they have no clue what you're talking about, is he posted this thing about popcorn lung for vaping, and there is some correlation with studies that some juices have something called diacetyl or something like that, which can cause popcorn lung. They actually haven't linked it to the juice. They just linked it to this factory that made buttered popcorn. And also one cigarette has as much diacetyl or whatever as like an entire small bottle of vape juice. Did you hear so that is one, it, egg, it's, so one egg is as carcinogenic as 10 cigarettes on the flip side? One egg? One egg. Like a breakfast egg? That's right. What are you talking about? I'm talking about... Uh, if you smoke it? <laughs> yeah, I'm taking like buckets of eggs. What does that even mean? I don't know, but in this movie, um, this this very important health documentary called uh, "Eat This" or "Eat Better" or yeah. "Fuck Your Eating." What is it? Do you know what I'm talking I about? No, I don't know. It's a big food documentary, and they say that eggs are that meat and eggs are so bad for you that if you eat one egg it's the equivalent of <laughs> they smoking. said if you eat it though I mean I'm certain eggs carcinogenic if they cut you open and sew it inside you or see you know what I mean like the tea priv how much does it cost this is Chris's new like 80 bucks I put a less strong coil in it the one that used to be in there was was really strong try it it's a little stronger than it's the a one. cloud beast <laughs> smoke <laughs> it's the cloud is that what it's called yeah. cloud beast yeah it's the cloud beast have you tried the cloud beast no, uh, dopey nation. No, I'm asking them. And if there's any vape store owners out there, which we know there is, we're looking for sponsors. That's not. It's not. It's you got to push. No, you're pushing the wrong button. Push the, the whole side is a button. The wow, whole button. Yeah. look at that. Yeah. And what's up with this tech case? That's just cool. It's like a Velociraptor. How is it like a Velociraptor? Because it's got scratch marks on it, like a Velociraptor who fights a lot. Does. You think? You think there was a Velociraptor who wanted to vape? They're like. Argh! Give me the vape. Um, so I've been sick for days. Oh, give me that no, shit. I need to, I what need are you doing? You I haven't had nicotine in months. Yeah, but you're sick, man. I should have brought my old shitty vape. I think I might have an old logic pen in my car. That was delicious. Um, uh, you're not getting any more. No, I need to. I need to vape. I need to get I, sick. I don't want to get sick. The delicious I got a girlfriend waiting for me at home. I'm not. Um, and a Samoyed. <laughs> I'm not contagious anymore. Um. But so I was sick, you know, for days. Yeah. And you, you, I can tell how sick I am from how soon I go to watch Lord of the Rings. And, and <laughs> what do you mean you watch Lord of the Rings when you're sick? When I'm re- when I'm sick, and like, and, and I'm so fucked up that like, when I get sick, I'm like, this is why Linda hates me so much. You're just a total pussy bitch. No, I love getting sick because everyone's supposed to pity you, and you get to stay home and watch TV, which is all you want to do. That's all I want to do. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that when I get sick. I look forward to getting sick. I plan a thing in my head for when I finally get sick, what I'm going to do. Yeah, getting sick is like the ultimate excuse to do what you really just want to do. Well, it's just... I'm, it's because it's like I'm, you have permission to do what you want to do, and people are supposed to pity you. But if That's I, why I love being in the hospital, because people come visit you see, and they pity you. See, this is why you and I are similar people. Because somebody like, God rest his soul, Dave Marshall, yeah. what he liked to do was go pull sleds <laughs> full of weight. You know, <laughs> fucking go on rings and fucking spin and run a marathon. It's like if he gets sick, he can't do that stuff. Yeah. We like to do nothing. Yes, so getting sick is a treat for us. Yes. And um, and so I, I was like, you know what I haven't seen in a while, which makes me feel good? Lord of the Rings. And I was like, which one should I watch first? And I was like, fuck it. 
I'm going to watch Fellowship of the Rings first because it's the first one. Well, Hobbit's the first one. That shit is garbage. That shit is, as they say in Brooklyn, garbage. Well, they took the shortest book and they turned it into three movies. They they milked it. Milked it is horrible. Yeah. That is just, it's horrible. It makes me sick that Peter Jackson did that. Yeah. It's like, make one movie, make it fucking killer. Yeah. Instead, he makes three horrible movies. Of the shortest book. The Hobbit is so short, all the other ones are long. It breaks my heart. Have you ever tried reading the books? They're fucking hard, dude. No, I haven't. They're not. It's not. A, the Hobbit's easy, but the other ones, they're not like a simple read. I need to read them. Yeah. Do you, you never listen to Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I mean, I listened to, what was it, number three and number four or something like that? I, I was a crazy Led Zeppelin fan. I like Led Zeppelin. But all of the songs are about Middle Earth. All of the lyrics in Led Zeppelin are about Middle Earth. Seriously? Yeah. I didn't know that. Fucking the whole... It's like, so you watch... You're watching Lord of the Rings, like... And I had never read Lord of the Rings, but I had listened to every Led Zeppelin album to death. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, the Misty Mountains, yeah. and that's a big Led Zeppelin song, and the Ring Wraiths, and all this shit is all Led Zeppelin lyrics. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I can play some. Wait, so you... So your, what your point was, though, is you got sick and you watched all three Lord of the Rings? Well, let me, let me tell you. I watched Fellowship of the Rings... And to say it was a joy is not even, it's like, it was like the greatest day of my life. I just sat there watching. I, pay, I, I always think when I watch it that Gollum's in, in the ring is like a dope fiend in heroin. It, that, that, totally. He forsakes his friends. He forsakes everything. My precious. What it is, it's addiction. Yeah, it's, it's total addiction. I have this buddy. I have this buddy. Um, he lives in Illinois. Um, and he's an alcoholic. He was also a... No, no, you got it. No, in a little bit. I just watched it. You know, in a second. Why did you watch it? Because you're sick. Anyway, so he lives in Illinois, and he's an alcoholic, and he's like a big science fiction freak like you. And um, we were talking, and, and it, was a, it was a moment in his life where he was thinking about being clean. And it was when I got clean again. And, uh, and I just started really telling him about recovery that it's exactly the story of Lord of the Rings. And it's like... It's like, even if you're, like, because Gollum isn't using the ring. It's yeah. the addiction that has him. He's holding the ring and saying, my precious. And also, he's totally transformed from this, like, affectionate, good-looking guy to this just discrepant, disgusting creature that lives in a cave. Which is what you do. You live at your, I was at this one rehab, and a guy says that junkies are houseplants. He's like, that's all you are. You're just a plant in the corner of a house. You just if you're scur- lucky. You scurry out and you get some dope and you come back and you sit in your couch and you watch TV. If you're lucky. Yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah. And it's like, and that's the thing when I always used to say on Dopey that I'm the biggest bourgeois dope fiend. It's like, if I didn't have cable, I might get clean. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. what the fuck am I going to be home for if I can't really enjoy all of it? There really was something, you've talked about this a lot, something romantic about finding a really good show and having, and for me, it was even just drinking, like having a bottle of vodka and starting a series and being excited. This, is, this is pre, like, I remember when On Demand was popping. Do you remember? This is pre-Netflix. I never wanted to, I'm only, I've only did become. You, you're, you're a fucking dinosaur. You didn't even have On Demand. How, were you, DVDs? No, what did you I do? had On Demand. I was just too no, I'm poor. Saying you were in California. Was there On Demand then? I didn't, dude, I've never, I've only used On Demand now. This is the only time I felt comfortable so to you, spend money on demand. So what did you watch? Uh, in California? Like commercials and shit? Like regular, ca- like basic cable with commercials? No, I would watch I would watch HBO. Yeah. And you said it. Yeah. Say those three initials. 
basic cable? No, DVDs. Oh, DVDs. And I would steal them. I would yeah. steal collections of DVDs and then watch them. And then I would covet them like they were my precious. I'd go, oh, precious. Yeah. The Simpsons collection of DVDs. I'd rub it. I'd, be like, I'd, I'd show it to my ex-girlfriend. I'd be like, look how beautiful this is. Because <laughs> it'd have like Marge on the front and some picture. I'd be like, yeah. it's so beautiful. Well, dude, DVDs were a hot, hot commodity. There's this store in Boston called CEX. And it's Complete Entertainment Exchange. And back, there was a period when a, a DVD could get you like four. You know what? It's interesting because that's sex. Yeah, but it's with a C. I know, but do you think they're trying to be sexy? I never even <laughs> considered that. Well, now, sex. There's no way I'm giving you a vape. You're coughing mucus up in your mouth. It's I need the nicotine. How can I do the show without nicotine? I get it to you a little bit. Um, so, anyways, this place, CEX, and back in like... 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, it started to stop. DVDs could fetch a price. Like if you had, went in with a DVD, you could get, if it was a newer DVD, $4 for it. $5. DVDs can fetch a price. <laughs> and the, But CEX, you go in, you hand them a stack of DVDs, and they give you a bunch of cash. And this place was a junky hotspot. It would literally just be, a, a, it would be five people behind the register who went to like Suffolk University or like BU or Northeastern who were like 18, who were just appalled at this line of junkies. And they were all fucking junkies outside. It was that, they'd go to CEX and Buffalo Exchange. Buffalo Exchange, they, they buy clothes. I was in Buffalo Exchange once, and then what they do is they take the clothes, they price it, and they give you a third of the price that they're pricing it at. I've been in Buffalo Exchange where dude tried to take his shoes off. Like he was putting it in, he clearly needed enough, like a bundle or something, and it wasn't enough, and he was like, and he starts taking his shoes off to give it to him, and they were like, literally, they didn't even flinch. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, we have a policy, we can't accept clothes that were on you. Because they were so used to people doing that. Imagine like the junkies who leave naked, just they want to leave like wearing loincloths or a fucking bag. Did I remember seeing... I, I had my, my whole economy... You know, whenever things got bad was I lived by selling CDs. And I told you when I used to work in production, I would get free CDs. Like, and when I say would get free CDs, I, I mean, I worked at, at that place and I had a, a, a relationship with Sony Classics where uh, Sony Classics would send me footage of Bob Dylan doing Like a Rolling Stone in England at Lord, Lord whatever, Albert Hall, Royal Albert Hall, I think yeah. it's called. And, and it, and I'd be like, oh, could you give me some Bob Dylan CDs? They'd give me every Bob Dylan CD. Yeah. The whole compl- the and whole discography. And, and for me, to get the whole Bob Dylan discography with all the literature, all the bootlegs, it was like something I had dreamed of my whole life. And, sell, yeah. and within, within six months, it was gone. The whole Miles Davis. Six months is pretty good. I wasn't a junkie when I got it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It yeah. was like that. For me, that's one of the saddest things. Like, I was so excited when they gave me that stuff. Well, you're talking about the olden days of CDs where you had CDs, you collected them like records and you displayed them and you had those nice racks and you'd get the 200 CD changer and you'd keep the CDs even though they were in the CD changer, you'd keep the jewel case. Well, I never had it like that. I had the five disc changer. The five disc was all right. And, uh, and I lived to shuffle. Well, the five I would disc, set up the perfect shuffle. In some days, in some ways, the five disc was better because it was easier to change out. The 200, you'd have to like make a catalog. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. I never even saw one. No, but CEX, all right? So I remember I was selling shit at CEX, scraping by, trying to get high, and there was either a Borders or a Barnes & Nobles, and they locked the CDs up. And this is Blu-ray. I just came on Blu-ray. You got like 10 bucks or something for a Blu-ray. 
And what you could do is they locked this glass case, but if you went to all the way at this one Borders or um, Barnes and Noble and you pulled the glass case, there was a little bit of wiggle room. Do you know what I mean? In the end, where like you couldn't slide the door open to get it, you'd have to ask somebody at the store. Uh-huh. But you could pull the end and it would get like a half an inch, and you could stick your finger in and pull it over and slide one out. And I could do like three or four, and I'd steal three or four through the little glass case and. Like Ryan, and then go. Literally, they'd be brand new wrapped. You'd peel off the little like um, sensor thing, and they'd be brand new and wrapped. And I'd walk to CEX, and while I was walking to CEX, I'd so where take would off you the steal it from? Either Borders or Barnes and Nobles. I forget which one. It's on Boylston Street, and I would uh, uh, and I'd literally unwrap them. They were brand new, and bring them to CEX and sell them. I bet you could have gotten you could have fetched a better price if you had kept them in the cellophane. Maybe. I mean, probably better price on eBay or something. No, and then... There was no <laughs> eBay. We got to call Randy. Let's there call Randy. A, but one other thing. I remember having this, this junkie kid who was homeless. He was in Pine Street Inn and he lived with me for like a week, right? What's it, Pine Street Inn? It's a homeless shelter, right? Where? In Boston. Mm-hmm. And so he lived with me and I was working and I let him stay at my apartment when I was working. I don't know why. It was crazy. And like gradually, like I, I didn't even care because I'd like give him money and he'd get dope and I just didn't want to go cop. You know what I mean? And yeah, it was a great, it was a great thing. It's like having a butler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I would come back because I'd be like, dude, like don't steal anything. And like I'd come back and then like I started, he was gradually stealing whatever little DVDs I had. And then I came back one day and he was gone and my Xbox was gone. It was like the original Xbox, right? And I went to CEX to go sell stuff, and there was like my Xbox was scuffed in like a certain way. And I remember there was a big glass case with all the stuff, and in CEX was my Xbox that he had sold. It's classic, though. I mean, that happens to all of us. You know, I mean, I mean, I know it happened. I had tons of like nefarious junkies stay with me, yeah. and I wouldn't necessarily let them, excuse me, stay with me, uh, unless and, and make them leave with me. And I would make them cop for me. I was like a real jerk with it. But like I'd let but them stay. But you give stay. them a few bags always. No, I'd let them stay. Oh, you wouldn't give them dope? You have to give them dope. No, they'd give me dope. You're an... No, they'd go buy you dope and they'd take some and you didn't know. Trust me. No, because I remember that guy Tony Maloney. Yeah. He was a dope dealer. Yeah. And he, he had nowhere to stay. Yeah. And I said, you could stay at my house and you could sell dope and you can give me, you know... Few bags, a few bags of that, yeah, and he would do it. All right. And then was Tony Baloney the guy who do push ups on the mailbox? No, huh. that was a really frightening character. I I wander New York, you know, constantly, yeah. and I'm always thinking I see him. Yeah, you know, and like Tony Baloney was the first good, like the first like good source of good dope that was regular that I ever had, and he sold in Soho on the street. And if you, if you called him and you, you page him and, and or he, he had a cell phone, I think. I think what it was like you page him is your number. Or? Yeah, you page him your number or where you are. But he, I think he had a cell phone. So when you call him, he'd be like, if he if he was there, he had it. It's very rare that he was th- he answered the phone and he didn't have it. But if he didn't have it, he, you hear, hi, this is Tony Baloney. Leave a message. He just wouldn't pick up. Yeah, but you'd hear that. Hi, this is Tony Baloney. Leave a message. You know, and he was a classic New York drug dealer. And the shit was good. His his shit was good. Here, we're calling Randy. All right. Fuck it. Randy, a.k.a. Billy Baru, Dope Nation longtime listener. Um, Dave's hung out with him a few times. I met him once a year ago. He took us out to a steak dinner. It was superb. I've hung out with him a lot. Yeah. Does he know you're calling? 
Yo, Randy. Hey. What's going hey. on? What's going on? You're on the show. Welcome back. Randy, what's up? It's oh, Chris. right on. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm good, dude. So tell us your news. Well, the news is uh, in uh, I am 10 days away from uh, uh, getting my one-year sobriety chip. That's right there on. There you go. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so... So when I met, when I started listening to you guys, which was in uh, the summer of uh, 2016, I was still, you know, in severe active addiction, trying to get through any just one week without uh, using. It was impossible. And I started listening to you guys, and I was convinced to at least try to go to a 12-step uh, meeting. I, I, I figured it worked for you guys. You guys seem pretty normal. And... I went to a uh, CA meeting, which is uh, uh, Cocaine Anonymous, and I, it, was, it, was, it wasn't that bad, and um, I just stuck with it, and, um, uh, you know, I, I just can't believe that, uh, you know, one day at a time, you know, one year later, uh, it's been the best year of my life, no yeah. doubt about it. I owe you guys so much, and uh, I'm grateful to you guys. <clears throat> That's fucking so awesome, Randy. I don't mean to be cheesy, but it warms my heart. Well, tell us some of the of the highlights of your well, wait, year. First of all, before you well, have the highlights of the well, year. You know what? I, well, first of all, you know, I, I was on I think episode seventy around there, and uh, I think some people were upset that I didn't bring too much dopey. So why don't I just go back to how it was at the very end for me before I got clean? Um, if that's okay with you guys. Of course, please. Yeah. So the very end of it looked like this. Um, I was engaged living with my fiance and she knew uh, that I had a, that I was trying to quit but I didn't tell her to what extent I was really in the depths of the grips of the addiction so I was kind of hiding it from her a little bit and let her look I would let her know a little bit what was going on but not 100% so I would be you know using all night she'd be you know with me in the room watching tv and I'd be completely paranoid that she could tell. It was completely uncomfortable. We'd go to bed. I could, I could sense, or I, I, I believe that she could hear my heartbeat through the, through the uh, mattress. <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, it was awful. Right, it was just awful. And, um, and so I couldn't sleep. She'd be next to, she'd be next to me. I couldn't sleep. So I'd, I'd go. I'd eat a couple of Xanax, uh, down, uh, you know, a couple shots of uh, vodka. Still couldn't sleep. Still nervous. Finally, I'd calm down enough that I, I was I was relaxed, and then I'd roll over. It would be you know, say four o'clock in the morning. I'd roll over and text my dealer, and he'd come and start the whole process over again. Oh it was God. fucking insane. You know, um, the worst of it though probably was, um, you know, one morning, uh, you know, I I, I I had repeated this process, you know, up all night, hiding it from her, drinking vodka and Xanax, trying to sleep, you know. The complete craziness of it all, and I guess I must have passed out. And she woke up before me, and um, and found all this, uh, all these lines of coke on my uh, on my desk, my work desk. And she came into my bedroom. Or she came into into our bedroom and kind of woke me up. And I could tell right away that she had found out. And it wasn't a look of anger or disappointment. It was just pure sadness in her eyes. And at that point, I said, fuck this. I, I, I'm not going to get married and be that kind of guy that's an addict, active addiction. And um, I, I really 
from that point, uh, started to started to try to get clean. And like I said, I, I followed your guys' advice. I, I went to a twelve step meeting, and it turned out to be not as not as crazy or cultish as I thought it would be. It was actually pretty pretty amazing experience. And Randy, uh, like I said, it's been the best. It's been the best. Randy, was it annoying at first though? Because I get a lot of feedback from people who I try to get to go to meetings, and they're like, "It's pretty annoying." And I, I mean, like, I think. It's, 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 Please. Yes, it, it, you know, I am, or I was at least, you know, a devout atheist. So going into these meetings and hearing about God made me want to punch everyone in the fucking face. <laughs> you know, I just, I couldn't stand it. You know, it was, it was just ridiculous. I always, I always thought that it was uh, so, so childish. But it's not, it's not, what, I, what I've come to learn is that it's not the religion of, of what we, of, of, of 2,000 years ago, okay? If you can accept the fact that you know, uh, there was some sort of beginning, maybe some billions of years ago, who knows what, just some sort of wondrous beginning, and that something divine exists in you. However, however you want to define that to be, something divine, it, it, you know, exists in, in, in yourself, and that's enough to give you, uh, you know, some sort of spirituality, enough for you to, to get through this, to, to find some power. And, uh, yeah, I thought it very annoying at first. I, I really was kicking and screaming. But, like I said, I, I thought back to my to my fiancé's beautiful blue eyes and how sad they were. And I said, I have no choice. I have to try this. So I gave myself 90 days, kicking and screaming, hating all the God talk and all the shit. And um, I just accepted it. And I just, went, I just, I just did everything that they, that they told me to do. You know, it was like, a, it was like a, a cookbook. You know, just do this, do this. Very simple steps. And um, lo and behold, it just slowly just turned uh into a sense of momentum and um and like i said it's been the best year of my life and it's 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 shocking to me that's that's awesome i think the 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 language in 12-step meetings is so antiquated which is what turns people away a lot and that if you go there and you immerse yourself you kind of redefine what it is to be uh what god is to you do you know what i mean it's like it's not exactly exactly yeah, and it's like I yeah, love the I mean, words you use, divine, and, and it's like, you know, it's spiritual, and it's like people can get in touch with something that isn't, you know, this childhood conception of a man in a robe or whatever, you know what I mean, that turns people correct. off. But I also think it's very yeah, cool. Yeah. I think what you said, I never even considered that, like, that we have a piece of creation within us. You know, I never even considered, I consider God as just. Everything, yeah. you know. I just think God is everything, and then we're a piece of that. Yeah. But to, uh, the idea that we can have a piece of ourselves that's as pure as the creation of the universe is a very beautiful idea. Totally. Yeah, it's a pretty cool concept. And like I said, I was the most anti-religious, and, it, and it's a, to a certain extent, I still am in terms of like organized religion. I, I don't. I you know, a lot of it is, like you said, Chris, antiquated. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that way, man. We're all to a certain extent, spiritual people, and we can find our own spirituality, and we can define it any way we want. That's the freedom that is uh, sort of like a new concept to me, that you don't have to follow the path of uh, these doctrines that, that have been prescribed to us for thousands of years. To me, they're all bullshit. Yeah. You can find your own spirituality within yourself or within the world, like you said, Dave, uh, if you believe that you know God is everywhere uh, or your conception of God is everywhere, then that's more than enough to get through all of this. And... I think, Dave, you, you told me this months ago, and it's such a, an amazing thing you said. You said that all we really want in life is a final little piece. And that's really what it is. We really, don't, we really don't want money or fame or success. I mean, those are all nice things. But what we really want at the core of anything, of everything 
is just a perpetual state of peaceful well-being. That doesn't sound like something do, I would say, though. <laughs> well, I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing, but you did say that. We wanted just a little peace in our lives. And, um, I'm you know, just I'm paraphrasing, but, but that's what it is, man. You just And, and this at least and this 12-step program, that's all it is. It's just a prescription. It's a cookbook to find a little peace in your life, and that's all it is. It's not a cult. It's not... Uh, uh, you know, this very overly religious. It's just, it's just a way for you to move from a from a state of being uh, of anxiety and uh, you, you know uh, un- uncomfortable uncomfortability with yourself to a place where you're comfortable with yourself and you're happy with your life. And that's all it is. On a on a scale of one to ten, ten being a lot and one being not that much. How much would you say dopey saved your life? <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's a nine. Because, Look at that. It's a nine. It's a motherfucking nine. You see that? Thank you, Randy. It's a nine. And I tell you this because I would have never, never, ever uh, give, given this a chance because, I, like I said, like as you said, Chris, I, I tried like five, many years ago to go to these uh, meetings and they were completely annoying. And, uh, you know, I, I just said, I, I'm not like these people. These people are fucked. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fucked. Yeah. And... Um, you know, uh, Randy's really not guys. fucked though. You're, I mean, Chris is fucked. Randy, yeah, yeah well, you no. sit down with Randy. It's like he's business as usual. Do you know what brand no, Randy but- gets every day when you go to get breakfast with him? When he goes with me, what? he gets a pastrami omelet with American cheese. Oh, that sounds good. You don't like that? No, you don't do that. Randy's crazy. He's Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, Dave gets uh, three cups of coffee. Um, and oatmeal. And, uh, he kind of, yeah, he mixes it up a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's an, a bit of an eclectic uh, taste for him. But uh, but just but just 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 to, to put a put a bow on, on what I was saying earlier about you know your guys and your influence on not just me but everyone listening on Dopey Nation, whether it's in Australia, or Canada, South America, you guys have such an amazing reach. And what it is is what you guys provide is an example to other people of how you can live a fulfilling, cool existence. Um, you know, and and be sober, and that is more valuable than anything that I've ever come across, any book that I've read, any advice that I've thought or heard, that's what you, that's the value that you guys bring. And it's, uh, it's amazing. Like I said, I'm grateful and I'm not the only one. Everybody out there in Dopey Nation is grateful to, to have you guys, uh, do this, this service for us. It, it, it's, 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 it is in a, in a sense service. That's totally right on Randy. We really appreciate that. Yeah, thank but, you, Randy. L- but let me ask you a quick question. Um, do you ever yeah. listen to the share podcast? Do you think Omar thinks he's better than us? <laughs> you can just hear it in his voice. He just thinks he's better than us. No, 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 no. Last time I was on your show, I, I said I wanted to punch Omar in the face. And uh, you said, well, give it some time. Maybe you'll cool out. And you know what? I have cooled out. I do think he's a pretty good guy. And in fact, when he was on your show, he was fucking great. Yeah. Oh, he was awesome. Yeah. He, he got and with he the flow, Randy. Guys. He did not think he... He got with the flow yeah, before not, anybody else. He knew the format and he threw down. My dad loved him on our show. Yeah, he was fantastic. And I tell you what, there's no way he thinks he's better than you guys because he was in awe of you guys. I think I think he really, really uh, admires both of you, and it came across in his voice and and uh, how much he got into the, the episode. It's a great episode. One, one of your best, I, I would say. Yeah, it and was I good. Think that when you guys. When you guys were on his episode, that is by far his best episode. <laughs> well, what can, what can you really say? Randy, let me ask you a question. Does your wife notice a difference before and after? Yes. She does? Yeah, she, yeah she, she's been supporting me uh, 100%. Uh, you know, she, 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 she's, uh, she will say, um, hey, Randy, you haven't been to a meeting. 
uh, a couple of days. You feel like he, he seemed like he might might want to go to one, and she's so supportive. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, she's she's very uh, vocal about how how happy she is with with our relationship and and how I am. And I mean, I'm you know I'm not as I'm not as, as selfish as I was before. I, I'm attentive to what you know what her needs are, and um, you know I, I love her very much. And any way that I can express that, and uh, it's, it's part of the the the, uh, the collateral. Uh, bonus of, of being in this program as you become much more of a caring person and you know she she benefits from it too awesome totally. right on Randy when are you going to get us Daryl Strawberry what are you what are you waiting for I want Daryl <laughs> you know I don't know if Dopey Nation knows this too is that um, yeah I mean Strawberry I, I would love to get a, get a hold of him I and I, I, I did say I would try but uh, you know Artie Artie lives a hundred yards from my house it's, it's amazing it's and, Artie, you know, we go to the same we go to the same Rite Aid you know he buys cigarettes I buy ice cream uh, you know, he probably buys same, cigarettes uh, and ice cream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he probably does. Do you see uh, him? I, you know, I have friends that see him all the time. I have him. I have a bunch of dopey cards in my wallet that I'm just, I just, um, just for the occasion that I see him and I, and I, you know, I, I stalk him and harass him and say, "You got to make this call, please." Listen, so, Randy, uh, I've given, right. I've given Artie. Two pastrami sandwiches, an order of potato latkes, and two dopey hats. He, he gave, I think he gave me a fake number. I text him. He doesn't. He doesn't return the text. I'm thinking about starting a fake war with Artie and Anthony now. That's where I'm at well, with this thing. Well, so my friend Javier was yeah. Artie's next door next door neighbor, uh, where he where Artie lives now. But my friend Javier moved to Miami. Javier is still in contact with him. They're pretty good friends. I haven't pushed that button, but. If we, if we have to, we'll push the button. Push the fucking button, man. I'm dying over here. I'm like in the wilderness alone. Chris doesn't All care. Right. Well, you know what's going to happen is Dave's going to create a, f- a feud with Artie and Anthony, except it's going to be a one-way feud. It's just going to drive you nuts. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's going to be a feud with his fans, and his fans are rabid. Yeah. They're like, they listen to Dopey you just to get angry it. at me. You can't No kidding. Yeah. That's why I need Javier. I need help. <laughs> I think you're totally right. All right. Well, Javier, Javier may be our uh, our, uh, our savior then. Yeah. All right, Randy. Well, we appreciate the check in, and we love hearing from you. And we have to do the dinner. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll uh, we'll text later about uh, nailing down that date for the dinner. But I just want to say thanks again to you guys, and thanks to Dopey Nation. Stay strong, my friends, and um, have a great Thanksgiving. I guess it'll be after Thanksgiving. Have a great Christmas. And toodles. He didn't say toodles. He said, "Have a great Thanksgiving." <laughs> I never say. To- I don't say. I'm, I'm on Team Dave on that one. I'm sorry. Don't say toodles. That's all right. He's like Anthony B. <laughs> Me not say toodles. <laughs> all right, Randy. All best, take care, man. Okay, thanks, guys. All take right, care. later. Bye. There he is. I fucking Randy, example. Dude. He's fucking awesome. All right, re- a solid fucking dude. Where, where are we at? We're at 42 minutes. Let's do Hot Girl. All right. Well, I'm with you. All right, guys. So, um, should I set it up a little bit here? Please. Okay, so, um, Dopey Nation. A little bit ago, I was on Instagram, and we were in, um, we were mentioned in some person's story, and the the person was, um, her Instagram moniker was Hot Girl Fucked by Life. It was funny, though, because... And she, but on, she mentioned, on. she said, listening to Dopey Podcasts instead Was this of, like this? Yeah, it was like that. Oh, she I'm said, like freaking out that I ruined oh, your Oh, no, couch. you did make it worse, but it was like that okay. a little bit. Now, listen, listen. Before we even tell the story... What's up with the Instagram stories? Like, what's the deal I with it? I don't get it, man. You're asking the wrong person. Like, what do you do with it? There's Facebook stories now. 
It's like you make a story and they expire, like, after 24 hours. So it's like Snapchat. Yeah, do you know what Snapchat is? I think it's like, I thought it was... I Listen, I'm old. I fucking relish in the fact that I am technologically inept. I actually like that. It's socially, I'm and, socially inept. But it's so general, funny because you're so much more technologically with it than me. That's true. And you try to lay it down for me. And here you're, you're claiming ineptness and you tell me how old and stupid I am all the time. You are. I mean, the way you run the Twitter is just atrocious. I, I, I mean, there's some maniac named Danny in Oregon who's making our Twitter account come to life. So, Danny. Have they started? Oh, it's coming. She's she's going nuts. She's doing it? She's doing a ton of stuff. Is she doing good stuff? Yeah, well, she's doing stuff. I'll tell you that. It's, 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 it's exciting. Okay. All of a sudden, Thank people, are, people you, are coming out of the woodwork on Twitter. Okay, so anyways, Instagram story. Our 211 people are strong. Okay, Instagram story. Hot girl fucked by life. And it's this... Some chick, you can't even see her face in the story, and she's sitting in a bathtub, said she's listening to Dopey. So I look up her, her profile or whatever, she's got like 30,000, 40,000 followers, and she's this really cute uh, woman from, from, is this from the UK or something? She lives in Manhattan. She lives in Manhattan, and she lived in Washington or something. Let me just but say for this. Some reason I thought she was British. I, I know, know that as soon as Chris saw the words, hot girl, fucked by life. He could not get more excited than that. Uh, and the only reason you know that is because you felt the same way. Well, it was funny because we had that chick... Wait, yes or no? Oh, yeah. That's my thing. <laughs> Hot Girl Fucked by Life is like... It's like a dream. It's a fantasy. If yeah. I wasn't so happily married yeah. or pseudo-married, I would, be, I would be totally interested in any hot girl who's fucked by life. Yeah. Um, however, um, we had that chick, Alexis... Nears. on yeah. at the time. And you wrote, and this is how technologically inept I am. You said, did you see that hot girl fucked by life had us in her story? And I figured you were just talking about Alexis Nears, who is a hot girl who is also fucked by life. And I didn't, <laughs> didn't understand. Was one word. I didn't understand. <laughs> I thought you just mistyped it. You're a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> okay, so anyways, that is funny. So anyways, this girl put us in her story. I respond to her story. She never responded. I just said, hey, what's up or something. She's listening to us in the bathtub and yeah. she doesn't respond to you. I don't think she ever saw it. I think she gets a bunch of messages. She didn't, she didn't see it. But then uh, a month later, we get an email from her. And anyways, I'm looking up her thing. Turns out she is uh, – oh, she explains it in the, in the email. I'll just read it. Um, okay, so this is from Hot Girl Fuck by Life, a.k.a. Alana. Subject is drug-induced saved head. Dear Dopey, I've been binge listening to your podcast for a couple months now, and I'm almost completely caught up. On Monday, I will be 18 months clean. Long story short, on the exact day of my one year clean, a member from my fellowship came into my work and robbed me, and because of this and a few incidents leading up to it, I had no choice but to get a restraining order. I was very hesitant to show up to my regular meetings immediately following these events because of the restraining order rules and I wanted to ensure this man had primary access to recovery in addition to the fact I was scared as shit to run into him. I looked into podcasts to hold me over in the meantime, which is when I found you guys. Your podcast has far exceeded any of my expectations and has brought a tremendous amount of joy and stability to my recovery. It was exactly what I was looking for and more. Recovery can be isolating and I found a lot of comfort in listening to you guys. I can honestly say that my recovery has improved for the better since I've found this podcast. 
You've brought a lot of insight into my life, and I've been a more accepting of my character, flaws, and addiction. Before this podcast, I was protesting circumstances as an unrealistic attempt to ward off facing my realities, and this has helped me embrace my addiction. I'm a 24-year-old female, and I often struggle making friends because of my inner dialogue is much more of a perverted 40-year-old junkie, so in my mind, we are the three best buds. I had such a radical departure from my innocence during my childhood and making female friends my age is challenging. Uh, making female friends my age is challenging. It's like I skipped those years and went right into being a jaded asshole. I do have a few sober friends and I've pushed Dopey onto all of them. Actually, I bring up Dopey to anyone, any chance I get, regardless of the context. Let's be honest. I started using drugs and drinking when I was 12 and basically during my 10 years of using, it was chaos start to finish. On one particular occasion, I was back visiting my family who I hadn't seen in almost two years and went out and got blackout drunk after my parents had gone to bed. I came back to the house in the middle of the night and was super aggravated because I was unable to score. It had been so long since I lived in that city that I couldn't get a hold of any of my old dealers. My twin brother was home and I proceeded to get into an argument and in no time I'm throwing fish, screaming, and trashing the house in downright rage. My brother and his friend dragged me out of the house and locked the door behind them. Hold on for a second. Do you think his brother's, the brother's Instagram is hot guy fucked by life? Why not? I end up getting back into the house. Good one, though. I end up getting back into the house through a window and go into my childhood bedroom, uh, find children's scissors, and start chopping off all my hair. I eventually move to a Bic razor and shave my head completely bald. I wake up in the morning and unfortunately realize this wasn't a dream. My parents are downstairs cooking and I have no idea how I'm going to confront them and play off the fact that I completely shaved my head during some sort of drunk psychosis. <laughs> Needless to say, my parents were shocked and caught on to the fact that I wasn't well. They didn't buy the story I came up with and they became extremely suspicious of my spiraling addiction. It took me a bit to get used to the shaved head, but it actually ended up suiting me very well. I got picked up by several agencies because they thought it was so trendy, and in that year I did photo shoots with Gucci, Nike, and several other heavy hitter magazines, including a six-page story in my favorite magazine and a full-page article in the New York Times. My whole New York Times story is me lying about the meaning behind my hair. I was always praised for how confident and bold I was for, non, for a non-conforming haircut, and I was put on this weird feminist pedestal when really I was just some psycho junkie whose hair was in the way when I was trying to stab my brother, so I cut it all off. People saw it as, a courageous and re- people saw it as courageous and rebellious when to me it was a blatant reminder of how out of control and badly I treated my body. During the end of my active addiction, height of my modeling career, I was living in New York and often got to see the inside of inside the world of rich fashion partying. Sometimes I had always romanticized, and let me tell you, something I'd always romanticized, and let me tell you, it's so disappointing, and there's nothing glamorous about smoking crack in a hot tub at a mansion, believe it or not. I would be getting my makeup done for a shoot, and also have them putting makeup to cover up all the bruises on my arms. One of my lowest moments was Xmas Eve a few years ago, when I and my roommates went to a bar in the Lower East Side and ended up drinking until we got kicked out, so we went to a brothel in Chinatown where I watched my roommate fuck a hooker while I sat in the corner. Eventually, we got kicked out of there, too, because I barfed on the floor. We went back to our place and everyone passed out. I don't remember this, but I guess I left the house to go score and left the door open behind me. I woke up in this rapper's bed, I won't say who, but he had an insanely luxurious place in Brooklyn and it was Christmas morning. My phone had about a hundred missed calls and my roommates are freaking out. The rapper calls me a car and some pimped out Escalade drives me home. I get them to drop me off, 
down the street, and when I get home, my roommates are frantic, and I'd called the police thinking there was a home invasion and I was kidnapped. They didn't understand why the house was trashed, why everyone's wallets were gone, the door was wide open, and why I was, wasn't there, but in fact, it was just me. I had to go walk to the police station to let them know I was okay. Nothing like ruining Christmas for everyone. I came back to the house, took a Xanax, and slept the rest of the day. The rapper and I occasionally talk, and even he congratulated me on my recovery. During one of my biggest photo shoots, I had met someone on set who can sense my pain and end up being the person who brought me into recovery, and I am forever indebted to him for that. I have a million other crazy stories just like these. The last time I ever used was at a mansion Travis Scott was throwing a party at in Beverly Hills where I just sat in a corner and drank C-Rock and asked NBA players if they had any blow. Today I am back in college, clean, happy, and living a life beyond my wildest dreams, all thanks to recovery. Drugs and alcohol don't give life enough credit. I saw what it was like to live a crazy life and I burned out quickly from narcissistic injury. I have completely changed how I receive the world and what my role in it is. I also write to inmates in recovery, including some on death row, and let me tell you their stories blow any of ours out of the water. I would love to pass some of those along if you ever want them. I go to school for graphic design, so let me know if you ever need a hand with that stuff. Your Instagram also looks like an 80-year-old runs it. Thank you again for everything. I can truly not articulate what joy your podcast has brought me. Much love to my fellow Dopey Nation, Alana, at Hot Girl Fuck by Life. Damn. And then she sent, uh, she also had some pictures. P.S. Here's a pic of me fucked out of my mind and me today. I've maintained the shaved head for about three years now. So there's a picture of her, I'm assuming a modeling picture when she had hair and then one after which she looks like with no hair today. I'm going to see if we can post those to our Instagram. I'm sure she'll let us post them. And, and Alana. What an articulate, well thought out email, you know? Easily. Most people are just like, hey, I like your shit. Like, no, people send us. Listen, people do. That's not most, but people do. No, but very rarely do people just write, hey, I like your shit. So the thing you about Alana. The sent us the email and wrote the entire thing in the subject line. He wrote the entire message in the subject. That was the demon guy. He did a bunch of it was No, it was the guy who was in college who said he was having a conversation with us in a dorm room when there were other people there. He thought he was talking to the two of us. He was drunk and on benzos. I can imagine that. Yeah. But the thing about Alana's, because I think Alana's uh, email is awesome. It's well written. It's also like everything we want Dopey to be. It's like a really fucked up story, like debauchery, backstory, recovery, fame and glory. Well, fame and glory. You know, it's and like, she's very, I mean, you can tell she's very intelligent. It's like well written. But I think she was, I think like her whole hot girl fucked by life moniker. Yeah. Like I didn't write back because like I have my, my issues at home with like if, if I'm writing any women in the dopey nation, things can go wrong for me at home. So I didn't want to write back. But now that I hear that again... Like, she's a graphic designer. Alana, come on. Send in some art. Give us some stuff. Give us some work. You know? Yeah. What? No? I guess. You ask everybody, but she did offer. I didn't ask her, and she offered. And she's in school for it. We actually need... What we need, Alana, is an art director. So if you want to be the art director for Dopey Podcast... Stop throwing out these random titles. Well, we're looking for an art director. We're looking for a... Um, marketing director. Marketing director. director publicist. Public, re- <laughs> public relations director. Social media director. Social media director. Two interns. At least three interns. <laughs> yeah. What else? I don't know. What else do you want? That's... I think you pretty much covered the... Oh, we need an accountant for all the money we'll be making. An accountant. 
Oh. Will we, and we need a manager for bookings. Yeah. We need to be booked. And then we need just like a leg runner, like for when we relapse, somebody to get us dope and bring it to us. But they can't take any of the dope. <laughs> yeah, it'd be very trustworthy. What I'd really want is, a, is an intern to get us sandwiches because we're not going to get dope. Dude, if it's like dopey, it, a, a dopey. Maybe I'll just do some kratom. Kratom? That's going to be, you're going to have a kratom <laughs> relapse? Dude, I'm not, I'm not kratom having. I'm Heineken light, man. I got to try both those. What, you want, you've, been, you've been really, really, really <laughs> needing to try Heineken Light and Kratom? It came out like right when I stopped, dude. What do you know about Kratom? It's like... Uh, it's Jed like, described it. If you do a like, little, it's like an upper. And if you do a lot, it's like a downer. The down way up. I had it... Maybe it was Jed or somebody else that basically said the high isn't great, but you get withdrawals from it. And it seems, <laughs> sounds and it perfect. Seems, and it seems almost like it's like a natural. People use it almost as like suboxone. Do you know what I mean? Like they stop doing dope and they take kratom. People have gotten pissed off because it's almost like a natural form of suboxone. You know, it's like something they can get over the counter and stuff. Do you think it's weird that like I mean, you and I spent you know roughly? I mean, I think I, li- I I've had a little bit more of life not on drugs than on drugs. But it's pretty close. Yeah. And you, probably even, right? Or more of your life on drugs. You're 30. On. So from 13 to 26, I was, like, right off the bat, I was, you know, 13, I was, like, chugging cough syrup in my bathroom. There was never a period of, like, real experimentation. Like, I was doing shit right. very addictively. So 13 to 26, balls to the wall. Full hard. So that's thirteen addiction. years. Then two years sober. Then a three four month relapse, and then the rest. So, so more twenty six to thirty three, mostly sober. So that's seven years plus thirteen. So twenty twenty. You have more more left. More not. Yes. And I have just about the same ratio. But so we did we did spend a huge portion of our lives on drugs, and I say this all the time: the idea of doing drugs, it seems like. It almost seems impossible to me. Like I have dreams like like I had a dream that uh I was staying at my dad's house. I was actually at my dad's house. And uh and I had a dream that I had people over and we were doing bong hits of angel dust in the room that I was sleeping in. Like that I had a bong and, and I I don't even know what angel dust looks like, but I yeah. pictured it as some sort of sparkliness. <laughs> <laughs> so I put the angel dust in the in the bong and I'm doing bong hits and then my dad's like are you smoking bong hits of angel dust in there? And I, and I woke up. I was like, you know, and I was, you know, sober in my room. But like, I cannot imagine like what the scenario would be for me to be like, yeah, let me get a pack of Marlboros and some Kratom. Yeah. Like I cannot imagine that scenario. I can imagine, I can, this is what I can imagine for myself. I can imagine in 10 years, uh, being in a, a warm place with friends who are smoking weed and being like, I got 13 years clean, you know, or I got 12 yeah. years clean, whatever, and smoking weed. I can imagine that. But I can't imagine relapsing on Kratom in Manhattan. No, it's pathetic. I know people who have gone out on um, whipped cream, the little tiny hit of nitrous you can get that's so weak and does basically nothing. I do that. Is that a relapse? <laughs> is, that a re- is that a relapse? Okay, wait. I want to... Re- Hold on. If I take a hit off the whipped cream... That in the is first- a relapse. Oh, then I've got no clean time. <laughs> All right. There's something else before we wrap up I got to read. So last um, episode, we had Lee Bay from Sneaky Pete on who... Yeah. 
told a, a rather mild story about tripping on mushrooms at a concert, and it was kind of like a story from the other perspective, from the non-drug addict kind of like responsible yeah. Fit, um, yeah. type of user, yeah. if you will. Uh-huh. Uh, anyways, we got I got a message on Instagram from Tina, south of the border Tina, who wrote That's this. That's Christina. Tina Christina. is Tina. Yeah, Christina. And she wrote this. I could How look- could you confuse Christina and Tina at this point? All right, just shut up. So she wrote this. Where the fuck is Tina? We haven't heard from Tina in like a year. Yeah, Tina, where the fuck are you? He's confusing south of the border Christina with you because we don't hear from you. Are you even listening? Well, south of the border Christina also goes by Tina. Do you think that shit that, that, that teens has stopped listening? Teens, have you stopped listening? Shoot us an email at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Let us know. All right. So this is what Christina, south of the border, Christina wrote. I could relate to that last episode on so many levels. I think I sent a voicemail a while ago about shooting a vial of ketamine that I stole from a vet's office. Your gay story was pretty great. What a bizarre drug. And I've also been to the Sasquatch Music Festival at the Gorge in Washington. I was at that festival the first time I took acid. It was the first time for a friend of mine as well, and he ended up having a bad trip and took a taxi from the gorge to his apartment in Seattle, which is almost three hours away, without telling anyone in our group. He left his phone, keys, and wallet in his tent, so by day two of him being missing, we thought he might have wandered into the canyon behind the amphitheater and fallen into the Columbia River, so we ended up having to file a missing persons report on the last day of the festival. We left the gorge (coughs) thinking he was dead. The drive back to Seattle with an empty seat in the car was dot 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 indescribable. But when we got back to the apartment, we opened the door to find the dude sitting on the couch, watching TV and eating a bowl of cereal. He never spoke about what made him leave that day. All he told us is he was having a bad trip and had to get out of there. Looking back now, it's pretty funny. Ha ha ha, but it wasn't at the time. Pretty great. Eh? It is. We've gotten a lot of negative reviews about uh, Lee Bay. Thing. I liked it. It was all right. Well, I was waiting for like the crazy part to happen, and then she's like, and then I came down. Well, I re- I really think because it was the last time she did drugs. I thought it was like something horrible happened. Lee Bay is super sweet, and uh, and she's my one of my best friends, uh, girlfriends, and I think she's going to be really famous. So I just I'm like a fame whore with Dopey. I just want famous people to come on. I feel like it gives us credibility. Yeah. To be honest, it makes you feel good about yourself. It makes me feel good it when I write. Important. When I, it makes me feel like our show is important. Yeah, it our makes show me, is important. But but me, stupid as I am, I feel like we could get higher quality guests. We get a better chance of making money if our list of guests was better than our list of guests is. No, I think I see. I I understand what you're saying. That was a sentiment I had too. If we could get a James Franco or something like that on, it would be amazing. A Russell Brand. But I actually really believe the show is better if we just get hardcore drug addicts on and tell stories. It doesn't have to be famous. I think that's a better show. Everybody out there is making podcasts trying to get some like B-list celebrities on it. And, and it's so boring. At, yeah, and you even look at the, like Dr. Drew and um, Bob Forrest podcast. You know, like they get a bunch of like they get Tom Arnold and what's the guy we tried to get Andy Dick and so Andy Dick would be great, I dude. Know. I'm telling you, the but thing, I'm just saying drug addict. We need drug addicts, crazy stories. But the It'd difference, be or famous, but just the difference between us and them, though. Like I don't listen to their podcast. Like yeah. I don't, you know, whatever. But like. Our podcast is like super scrubby, you know. I don't think that theirs is, you know. And I think that if a if a high profile drug addict celebrity like Tom Arnold or Andy Dick comes on Dopey, it will be explosively fun. It won't be boring. No, but I'm saying get 
hardcore drug addicts on. If as opposed, famous, as, as, a, opposed as opposed to, to like Stuttering John or Lee Bay or something like that. Lee Bay was great. I liked her, but I'm saying it was great to have that one little perspective of like basically. I'm she surprised pumped, you liked her. She well, she pumped the brakes really early. I thought she was articulate. And I thought you were funny with her because like you made her nervous, which I thought was funny. How? What did I do? What was funny? You just made her nervous. Um, I want you to read. Um, I want to do the dopey review of the week, and then we got to wrap up. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, dopey review of the week. Yes, please drop us a review on iTunes. That would be superb. Currently, we are at. Um, they don't need to know. They don't need to know the number. Why don't they need to know the number? Because it's better that that's our shared mystical thing. It's not mystical. They can just go. We're at two thirty. No way. We're at two thirty. I didn't even see us get the last two. Yeah, two thirty, man. Um, nothing special to you. You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't take special. Nothing sacred. Yeah. Nothing sacred. What do you mean? It's just I don't know. You're a dick. I'm a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, new Oyve hats coming in tomorrow. Okay, uh, I'm gonna read this one. Hold on, hold on. Dopey is lit. Did we do that one? We did that one, right? We did not read it. No, we read that one. No, we didn't. Are you sure? I'm 100 percent on the Skype one. I'm positive we did. Okay. Dopey. Well, I know I didn't listen to the Skype one. Read it anyway. Okay. Dopey. You listened to it. Did you hear us read it? I can't remember. We dude. talked about it afterwards, I think. All right. Well, I'm going to read that, and then I'll read the one after it. The new ones haven't showed up yet. Dopey is lit. Yo, Dopey Nation. I found this podcast while searching the self-help category of podcasts in iTunes, not the comedy section. Compared to all the sterile, overtly Christian, inspirational recovery slash addiction podcasts out there, Dopey is a breath of fresh air. I'm really into storytelling podcasts and listening to you guys and your guests share the dark humor of addiction is really fascinating. You guys tell it like it is and your stories are both raw and hilarious. Keep up the great work. Dopey is lit. And then while I was reading that, I got a Facebook message from Omar of the Share Podcast who I recently told to listen to our last podcast where we sent out a plea to the nation for more reviews than Omar and you attack him. And he said, ha, 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 I'm going to listen to it right now. So coming next episode of Dopey, we'll tell you what Omar's reaction is to us uh, calling him out. Last episode. Listen, there's no... To Dave, to Dave calling him out. I know. It's (laughs) like, you put me on like the fucking uh, guillotine to have my head chopped off. I just think that when Omar, you know, Omar thinks he's better than us, he has all these reviews. And I think that we need the Dopey Nation to, to let some people know, like, that we don't play. We don't play. We don't play. We don't play. All right. Uh, you got anything else to add? We want more reviews than Omar. <laughs> and Omar thinks he's better than us. <laughs> okay, Dopey Nation. Stay strong. No, no you, I, thought you, didn't, you weren't, I thought you were going to read the next review. That's my no, favorite one. Oh, but I love it. We'll read it in the next one. Okay, listen. We, we listen. I feel, I don't talk about that, that sober guy anymore. You know why, right? Why? Because we, dis- we eviscerated him. <laughs> so now my, my sights are, my sights are set on our friend Omar, who yep. just happened to think that he's better than us. So are you, know, you ever going to set your sights on home after we're done with Omar? Okay. Now listen, Dopey Nation, Omar doesn't only think he's better than us; he thinks he's better than you. So <laughs> what are we doing here? 
So go to iTunes, drop us a review, like us on Facebook. But don't talk about Omar. Leave Omar out. You can check out Dave's uh, Twitter, I guess. Yeah, and uh, Instagram. Go on Instagram. I manage the Instagram. I'm not an 80 year old person. It's pretty hip. I didn't even understand to <laughs> yesterday's post. What, I'm so stupid and old. I didn't understand the Suboxone Naloxone and post. If you can't handle me at my Naloxone, you don't deserve me at my Suboxone. What, you think you that somebody on Suboxone is easier to deal with than somebody on Naloxone? Naloxone? You're thinking of Naltrexone. Naloxone is the is Narcan. So that's something someone's using and oh, having to yeah, get hit yeah, with Narcan. Yeah, yeah. Naltrexone is like a, either a, a shot. I wasn't great on Suboxone. Like I was not fun to deal with on Suboxone. You, you did it like once and you got neurotic. And you get like a bunch of energy. No, and then I did it like I, I was trying to cop Were dope. you ever on it though? Like prescribed by a doctor? No, for I would just get it for like a treat. Yeah, no. If you're on it every day for a while, it, it does make your life less crazy. It doesn't really... Your quality of life improves a little bit. Not a lot, but... Enough where you're not like copping dope. And Listen, one more thing. Chris, again, for some reason wants to, to make me upset with his Twitter thing. Twitter bashing? His Twitter bashing. But I want to say this. If any of you are good at Twitter, <laughs> send me tweets. I, I'm really not good at this and I really... I'm asking for help, guys. Okay. Dave's asking for help. I'm asking for help. Yeah. I'm actually asking you for help. Why don't you just send I me tweets? I do Insta, man. You don't All do any. You don't do day. fucking shit. I post, I post on Insta more than you post on Twitter. That's true. That's because if I posted on Twitter every day, it would be really bad. Yeah. It would just be bad. I comb the internet looking for the next great post. I said that I, that I brush my teeth while I'm peeing, and some girl wrote, she, Danny, she wrote, does the toothpaste ever go on your cock and burn you? What? <laughs> what? Oh. That's a pretty good response. And then I, I mean. said, and then what I said was no. But one time back when I used to smoke cigarettes, I used to smoke cigarettes in the bathroom while I would take a shit. Yeah. And um, and one time I was putting the cigarette out, and I burned my penis. Oh wow! So it was a fair question. It was horrible. Yeah. Have you ever burned your penis? No. It was so bad. I can even I can. Think of the pain now. Really? My friend Colin got a tick on the tip of his penis. Oh my god! Yeah, that's just it's. But imagine to remove it. Imagine like somebody who tortures somebody by putting cigarettes out on somebody's penis. I'm surprised they haven't done that in one of these like hostile type movies, you know, or saw movies. And what a horrible thing that could be. All right, let's um, wrap this up. All right, stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller
say, hey, it ain't mine. When I leave the busted city far behind, I'll take the high road, however far it winds. Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I want to be good so bad. Suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and these suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had.